Morning. Good seeing everybody. If you will, let's open to Psalm 49. Psalm 49. The psalmist wrote this, and we say it, and ask the questions that are in there. We're given the answers that's given to us, and we know the answers. And it's our Lord speaking. And he says he's going to preach to his people, to all people. The message is going to go forth. He's going to provide a question for himself, for us. He's going to tell us what the answer to that question is not. He asks a question, and this right here is not the answer. We need to know what it's not just as much as we know to know what it is, don't we? He's going to teach us that. And then he's going to give us the answer to this question he asked, what the answer truly is. And he's going to give us some instruction how to think and how to act. And God does that. He's God. Watch it as we read through it. Let's just, we'll go back through it again and expound on it, hopefully. But here's Psalm 49. We'll read the whole psalm. Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the heart. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. It's finished forever. That he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations they call their lands after their own names nevertheless man being in honor abideth not he is like the beasts that perish this is their way this their way is their folly Yet their posterity approve their sayings. Selah. They, <clears throat> what they're doing is wrong. And all their kids watching them, they said, that's good. Look what grandpa and grandma did. Look what daddy did. And, and they said, stop and think about that. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. And the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. It's what it's not. Here's the answer. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. Selah. Stop thinking about that. <laughs> be now thou afraid when one is made rich. Be, be not thou afraid when one is made rich when the glory of his house is increased, for when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee 
when thou doest well to thyself, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor, highly esteemed, thought highly of, of other people, and, and understandeth not, is like the beasts that perish. My Sunday school teacher taught me when we went through this as a young child. Those that have such high standing and they're so religious and they carry titles and they are and learned and ordained and they have all this stuff, and but they don't understand this. They ain't no different in their death than a dog that's dead on the side of the road and just a beast that has no soul. And then on the way home that morning or that evening, guess what I saw on my way to my house? There's a dog dead on the side of the road. I'll pray God give me some understanding. No matter what all the titles and the honors and the well-wishing and the phylacteries and the yelling or the whispering in the streets is, all the praise of men, if God don't give us understanding, if he don't open up his dark sayings and his parables and those things that we cannot understand because we don't have our own light, you'd be, you'd be better off being a dog dead on the street. They have an end. That's just it for them. What a horrible thing, isn't it? What a warning. But this is the psalmist speaking and writing this, but this is also our Lord first, isn't it? He says in verse 1, Psalm 49, verse 1, Hear this, all ye people. Look what it says. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, together, male, female, black, white, Republican, Democrat, my pastor got in trouble before 1965 because he said the Lord saves all people, black folks and white folks. And then that was okay for about 20, 30 years, and then now it's probably going to be trouble again. But everybody needs to hear this. Who needs to hear the gospel? All. All. What message should I preach if we had visitors? What message should I preach? We had a whole room full of real rich folks. Or, or drunks. What if we had princes? All them Saudi princes were in one room and I was going to preach to them. What if it was nothing but prostitutes? My job don't change. <laughs> the message don't change. No matter the audience, the, the illustrations may be different in different cultures or languages or something like that, but the message doesn't change. No matter the outcome, if I'm lifted up on the shoulders and people hug me and sing my praises and I put me down, what's wrong with you? Everybody takes me out to lunch and hugs on me. And, or if people pick up rocks and say, I'm going to kill him if I can. No matter the outcome, no matter the audience, no matter my situation, if I'm in a, like Joseph, I'm the prime minister of Egypt, or if I'm in prison, everybody needs to hear Christ and him crucified, the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to hear that all flesh is grass. That's everybody. All. If you, it, it, I, a wise lawyer that was God's preacher back in 1950 said, if you're wrong on the fall, you're wrong on it all. Boy, what wisdom that is. That lawyer knew something, and he was telling the truth. Look that next hour. True man. True woman. All flesh is grass, salvations of the Lord. Behold your God. Well, what if it's a room full of believers? That says, hear this, all ye people. That's what believers need to hear. 
But what about unbelievers? That's what they need to hear. What about children? That's what children need to hear. Little bitty ones. Little bitty folks. Well, we ought to have a special room for them. They need to hear Christ and him crucified plainly and train them up to hear somebody that's telling them who he is. They may not depart from it when they get older. I've told you these things. My children sit right there, and they sit, and sit with us when they was real little. They sit in front of us when they got a little bigger, and if they were bad, I bopped them on the head, and they sit behind us kind of because I'm showing off. The other part and the intention of it is that whenever I die or I'm not here, they're trained up to go to services whenever Christ is proclaimed. I've done it on purpose to be an example for you and whoever else comes. And because he said so. He said so because they need to hear the same as anybody else needs to hear. And mommies and daddies need to hear that whenever they're at their tables in the evenings and the children said, what's this mean? They have some understanding, not just knowledge. And they say, Here, here's why we're having this feast, son. That's why they had the token of the Passover. The Lord said, I'm doing this because when your children ask you, why are we doing this? Why we come church? Why why did I put a tie on this morning and a jacket and the most reverent clothing that I have to come here to to this place every, every week? Why? To worship an almighty God. Were you getting something out of it? Yeah, getting to worship the almighty God. That's why we're here. You want a warm, fuzzy feeling? Well, if you worship Almighty God and you know Him, you'll have that. That'll come. <laughs> but that don't matter. It don't matter if, 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 if I'm fed. We're here to worship Almighty God. And if we worship the Almighty God, you'll be fed. I don't want to get in the next hour. I'll keep going. He says in verse 3, My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Ah, if David wrote this, uh, whoever the psalmist was, I get it. I want the only thing that come out of my mouth is Christ, our wisdom, and 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 I see the results of that. Lord's people get happy. Here's what God says, and everybody else say, but 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 but. Here's here's the intent of this passage. Well, yeah, but over here it says this. Well, that ain't the intent of that passage neither. Cherry picking thing. I want Christ to come out of my mouth, and then in my heart of understanding. I want the Lord to teach me understanding so I can give knowledge and understanding. That's why he said people after his own heart, that he sins, preachers after his own heart, will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's what's in my heart. I want to have that so I can give it to you. But this is our Lord speaking, who is wisdom. My mouth shall speak of wisdom. That's the only thing that's going to come out of his mouth. If he, if he tells a joke, it's wise and good and right, and you hush and... Learn, laugh at I don't know. If, if the only thing that comes out of him is wisdom, is perfection and goodness. It don't, he don't do what's right. What he does is right. And the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. The only thing in him is he understands everything. <laughs> True understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. He owns it. It's his saying. And that's dark to us. We don't understand everything, and you can't figure him out. He has to reveal this. And I tell you what, when he does, you'll be singing it. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner. That's the first thing I'm going to be saying. And he did the saving, and it's his grace. And we thank him for it. He has to reveal that. He gives a dark saying. That's a parable. I will open my dark saying. Those disciples came to him. He gave the, the types of hearers. He said, there's going to be some stony ground here and some rough paths here, and there's going to be some ground because he's the farmer. I'm going to plow their hearts. 
And then some poor old dumb fellows would come by and water. <laughs> I'll make it grow. He gave this to the, the four tops of ground, the four tops of hearers. And the disciples came and said, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Why, did, why are you saying these things about farming and, or fishing or whatever? Why do you do that? And these servants and, and masters that come, and he gives talents. Why do you keep doing these parables? And he said, because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But not to them is it given. It's not given to them. It's given to you to understand that. And because he wants to. <laughs> it pleased him to speak in parables. He said, for whosoever hath to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. That understanding the Lord gives. Which, that's the way to second. This is Christ. That it, He's the ark. He's the brazen serpent. And then we start seeing him more, don't we? He gives us understanding, and we start understanding a little bit more. And this was needed because I'm a sinner. Not, well, mankind's sinners. Everybody else is, we always point with five fingers, don't we? Man is sinful. This man's sinful. Else was needed, wasn't it? He said, I've given it to you. You have it more abundantly. Therefore, speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, hear not. Neither do they understand. Say these things and they don't get it because he hasn't revealed his dark sayings to them. They're without excuse, aren't they? He said, For the people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have closed and they get tired of it. Precept on precept, right? I've heard the same thing 5,000 times. Tell me something new. It just gets old. I'm going to take a nap. Just, I, act like I'm, I'm, I act like I'm with you, but this is just old hat, man. He said, their hearts have waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. They've closed their eyes and lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears or they should understand with the heart. That's where the heart's, where the understanding is. It's in the heart. And should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your ears for they hear. He said, for verily I say to you that many prophets and kings, he says over in Luke, many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them. They desire to hear the things you hear, not hear them. Well, who opened up that parable? Paul, uh, the Lord asked the apostle, said, who men say that I am? They had good things to say. Well, uh, prophets and maybe somebody come back from the dead and all these things. He said, that's good. Who do you say that I am? <laughs> that's fine and dandy. Who do you say? And Peter, as a representative of the group, stood up and said, you're, you're the Christ. You're the God and my God. You're him. You're everything. And he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father's done that. He's opened those things up. The Lord told him in uh, the 11, after Judas left in John 16, he said, The time will come. I'm not going to speak to you in Proverbs no more. I'll show you plainly of the Father. And they said, Now nah, you're speaking plainly in no Proverbs. <laughs> they got a little bit, didn't they? We, we, we get a crumb from the master's table, buddy, and it'll just swell up in your stomach and get you full on it. They said, Now we're sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee, but by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. And he said, Oh, do you now believe? Now you, now you believe me? He was right there with them, wasn't he? Almighty God sitting there at the table with them. Psalm 49, verse 5. Here's the question Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? When the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about. What days of evil? That's speaking of an end day. Day of judgment, isn't it? What day of evil did our Lord have to face? This hour. 
He said, for this hour am I come. This hour, y'all, we spoke of this hour coming, wasn't it? What an evil day. That was the most evil day. We think we're living in rough times, don't we? That was the most evil day that ever occurred on the face of this earth. And at the exact same time, that was the most gracious and glorious day that ever took place on the face of this earth. On this sin-cursed world we live on. Why should Christ fear on that hour? He had no reason. There was no reason for him to fear that day of evil. Did he sweat great drops of blood knowing what sin he was going to be laid on him? Us, that singular feminine noun, sin. He was going to be made sin who knew no sin. He strove against it to, to sweat in great drops of blood, didn't he? To know and understand. We know the Father has punishment for, for sin. He has justice for sin. We don't we don't really enter into that. Oh, he did. He knew exactly what separation from a holy God that he always had communion with would be like. But he had no reason to fear. Why? Even in that, in the dregs of that cup that he drank, he trusted the Father fully. He did what in myself I can't do and won't do. Fully. Psalm 16.10 says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Capital H, capital O, the Holy One to see corruption. He knew the Father would bring him. He knew that that payment for sin would be accepted and, and just and right. That propitiation would take place. That atonement. He knew it. And the whole time with his face set like a flint looking to the Father. His heel was bruised. It says, Wherefore should I fear the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? His heel was bruised. That was the scriptures declared. And he bruised the head of that serpent, didn't he? Crushed the serpent's head. But this is the psalmist writing this too, isn't it? This is us too. What a question. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? Well, my last day is come. Whether I know it's coming or not, or if I have a long time to think about it as it approaches, why should I fear? Every day, that's true, isn't it? Why should I fear any day? There's evil all around us, but that final day. Ecclesiastes 12 talks about that, about getting old and dying. Whenever sin's on our heels. I'm laying there in that bed, if that's how it is, and I remember what I am. I, I, you don't know what I've done. I don't know all of what I've done, but I know more of what I've done than anybody else has. I know what I am. And I know I'm about to meet a holy God that I offended, and him, against him only have I sinned. A child of God, why would you be afraid? What cause do you have to be afraid? He's going to answer us in verse 15. But quickly, we'll see what the answer is not. We'll see who ought to fear that day of evil, and oftentimes who do it does. Verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. They can't do it. When that day of evil comes, sins on their heels, there's nothing they can do about it. Their wealth can't do nothing. Their riches can't do nothing. And, and this is not a lesson in not being wealthy and rich and working hard. <laughs> Lord said wealth's bad, so... Uh, I'm going to not work too much and go live underneath the tree somewhere. That's not what he's talking about. 
people that trust in their wealth and their riches and their righteousnesses and their good deeds and their works. And that can't take care of you and that can't buy nobody else either. It can't redeem nothing. None of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom. Verse 9, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. Why can't, why can't that happen? For, verse 8, for the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever. The cost of that soul is precious. That, when that end day comes, there's going to have to be a payment made. And mankind can't pay it themselves. We have that law of redemption in Leviticus, Leviticus 25, that kinsman redeemer. If a brother comes into debt and they can't do anything and they got to sell off everything they own, a, 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 a one that's kin can purchase that property and keep it in the family. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Isn't that kind? Lord made provision for those things. Who said, oh, the law, run from it. Yeah, we can't keep it, but like I told people before, if you want to give to the Lord in, in strict legal terms, well, there's 11 tri or 12 tribes of Israel, 11 of them paid to Levi, that's 110%. That's gracious. <laughs> His law's good. It's right. But we're giving that about redemption. How you come in and purchase it, right? That one that's able, that one that's kin, that's related. Well, who's going to purchase our soul? Because that price is precious. We don't have nothing that can pay for that. Blood's going to have to be shed. My blood ain't worth nothing. And your blood ain't worth nothing. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And Christ, who was made of flesh like us, had to be the one that redeemed us and nothing else. Look over at Romans 3. Romans 3, verse, verse 23. Romans 3, verse 23. Paul writes that church at Rome and says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That ain't complicated. That ain't hard to understand. You don't need a thesaurus. That's everybody. Everybody. That's me. That's you. Everybody. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can't redeem ourselves. We're corrupt. Verse 24, being justified freely. To us, it's free. Justified. That means everything that happens, right, good. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. That means the mercy seat. That's where it, the communion with the holy God and the holiest of holies took place, where the blood was shed, the propitiation, the acceptable bloody sacrifice. That's a payment. That's, the, that's precious. That's, that's what souls cost. The blood of God Almighty Himself, and He lays it down, and He redeemed His people. He bought them, and I'm not my own. I'm bought with the price. I'm His. I ain't my property. I'm His property. You who believe, you who He's purchased, you're His, and you know it, don't you? Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. He put it all away. He's just in doing so through the forbearance of the God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just 
and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Man can't do that. That's called salvation, and salvation's of the Lord. It's in his blood. Back in our text there in verse 8. That's what the parentheses were for. It says for the, Psalm 49, verse 8, For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. Doesn't mean their soul stops and there's just darkness forever and ever. No, no, no. It's finished. A purchased soul, the Lord's already done it. He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. It's done. <laughs> it's done. When he said, I'll enter that covenant, it was taking money to the bank. It's, it's done. Verse 10, For he seeth that all wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Everybody builds something in this earth. I don't mean we don't work hard. I don't mean we don't live respectfully and, and peaceably with all men as best as that's in us to do so. And we work as unto the Lord. But this ain't where our stock's in. This ain't where our, our, our heritage is. People name things after themselves, don't they? Thackerville. <laughs> name towns or bridges or something. The earth's the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Anything I have ain't mine, it's his anyway. Isn't it? Our old friend Todd said, Temp we are temporary tenants subject to immediate eviction at any time. <laughs> That's us. Verse 12 says, Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He's like a beast that perish. He repeats himself there in verse 20. But Those that seem to be in honor, those that say, Lord, Lord, and those that heal sick, and we've cast out demons in your name. and We did all these wonderful works in your name. He says, Depart from me, I know you not. But this was all the good stuff and churchy stuff, and we, we, I didn't miss Sunday school once. We got a chalkboard up there with all the records on it. Not that kind of honor. Verse 13, this is their way with, <clears throat> this their way is their folly. What they're doing, looking at themselves and looking at their own righteousness because they don't understand God's righteousness, it's folly, it's foolishness. You're going to perish like a dog on the side of the road. Yet their posterity approved their sayings. There's a whole multitude following. I told y'all a bunch. These little young people around here is going to talk like we talk and attend like we attend and give like we give and pray like we pray and read like we read. They're watching. So is everybody else's youngins. All their posterity. They're going to grow up just like them. Like sheep they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwellings. Worms are going to consume it. It's going to go away. So that's what it's not. Why should I fear in that final day? Do I have cause to fear? When sin's nipping at my heels, and that's all I can think about it, for what I am. Do I have cause? Do you have cause who, who Christ has redeemed? Look at verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. Be received into his presence. Received in that place he went to prepare for us. That place of justification. That place of, of atonement. At one with the Father. Reconciliation. He's going to receive me because he did it. He did it. Selah. Think about that. 
Think about that. Who did the work? I've, unfortunately, I've seen people leave this earth that's standing on their own works. It's a sad sight. Did I do enough? Old Mr. Rogers went to seminary and he looked at his wife did service to children. That's a good thing. Kids need good influences, don't they? They need to talk to read and talk to colors and talk music and other things and learn a whole lot in kindergarten, how to be nice to other people. Laid on his deathbed, looked at his wife, and he said, did I do enough? Did I do enough? Did I do enough? No, you didn't. Wish I was there to preach Christ to him. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. That's our only hope. He's it. And if he's my redemption, if he's what about the resurrection? I'm the resurrection. Martha, what's wrong with you? <laughs> That's me. If he's that, what fear do I have? Uh, uh, the, the best day of a believer's life ought to be the day we die. Not that we're going to expedite the process, but why would I be afraid to go? I ain't afraid to go up to Lawson Valley Road and get in my easy chair this evening. <laughs> I'm not afraid of that. Why would I be afraid to go home to the one that redeemed me? There's instruction until that happens. Verse 16. Be not thou afraid when one's made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. Businesses are booming in them goat barns. The churches are getting helicopters or whatever. I don't know. When, when all these things seem to be increasing, all these titles seem to be increasing. They, these people keep moving up and up and up and getting bigger churches and bigger churches or, or they're renowned and their righteousness and their holiness outwardly, it seems, seems to be growing. And of course, they start henpecking you for that. Pay no attention to them. God's redeemed you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Be not afraid that be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. All that wood, hay, and stubble, don't be impressed by it, don't be discouraged by it. His glory shall not descend after him. Why not say that? His glory won't descend. We have glory. Christ is our glory. And he will descend to get us, won't he? He come at the one that came down is the one that ascended, and he's coming for us. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and all men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers, and they shall never see light. David said, I saw their eyes bug out with fatness, and I was tore up about it until I went to the house of the Lord, and I saw their end. That's the enemies of the gospel, God, if they're alive, the Lord may save them. Uh, I, I get I get mad and my film ears turn red and all that stuff. And then I think, I wasn't no different. Maybe the Lord will save them. And if not, what do they have? No light. Eternal darkness in them. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. All these wonderful things that seem to be going on, if they don't have an understanding, no different than a dog dying. How can those have that have no understanding have any hope of hearing the dark sayings of the Lord? How, how can they have any hope of hearing a parable that he opens up of his gospel, of that redemption, of him redeeming a people, and he shall lose none? How can they? This ain't rocket science. Ain't brain surgery. We got to tell them. You got to send somebody to go tell them folks. How'd you hear? God sent a man to tell them. Not what I've done, not my dark sayings, not my parable. Here's what the Lord said. 
Just tell you what he said. Tell you what he done. I thought of Ezekiel 37 when the Lord come to him and he said, you go out in front of the valley of dead bones. Go out in the midst of that valley. A whole valley full of nothing but arm bones and leg bones and skulls and hips and everything else. Dried in the sun, bleached white. He said, go preach to them. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's a hard thing, wasn't it? Physically, put yourself in his shoes. I'm like, I'm going to go stand in this thing of nothing but bones and preach to them. And he said, you go preach to them. He said, can they live? He said, Lord, thou knowest. You tell me to do that, I'll do it. The outcome don't matter. All people need to hear it. All bones. If the Lord said go preach to bones, go preach to bones. Give it all you got. And he said, prophesy to these bones, say them, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And after those bones were straightened up and sinew was put to them and flesh was put on them, and he said, prophesy to the wind, and the wind come to it and breathed life into them. And there's a bunch of people standing there. Do you know what happened? There was death. There was preaching. There was life. Human beings were standing in front of that prophet. And the Lord said, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are whole, the whole house of Israel. That's a picture of my people. Behold, they say, Our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We're cut off from our parts. We're dead. Five minutes ago, you was dead. <laughs> and now that you have life, you finally say you're dead. And they're scared to death. Fear's in them. Therefore prophesy, saying to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my people. I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. That's what he just did. <laughs> They're alive to hear it. And you shall know that I am the Lord. That's an understanding. And I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. He's telling that to folks that's alive. <laughs> That's how they became alive from his word. That's how they're comforted in their fear when they are alive. And you shall place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and performed it, saith the Lord. You'll know I said this and you'll know I did it. Jeremiah said, thus saith the Lord, those without understanding. Do you understand that? We need saving and he, he's the Savior. We, we can't buy ourselves. It's his blood that redeemed us. We're not our own. He owns us. And we thank him for it. And he gave us life. And then we said, we're dead. And he said, yeah, it's fine. I'll keep you. <laughs> don't glory in that. You understand these things. Don't get puffy. We're not, we don't have a higher doctrine than other people. We don't have a higher level of enlightenment. We're sheep. And the Lord did it. It's in Jeremiah 9. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. That's us. The Lord's gave us wisdom. He's made us Christ our strength, and he's gave us the riches of his glory. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight saith the Lord. That's how it ends. How did it start? He said, sit down, everybody. I'm going to sing my song to you. <laughs> He's going to tell us about it. I hope that's a blessing too. When that day comes, whether that's an evening, a hard trial that's in front of us, or that final day, if He's our Redeemer, what you got to fear? Nothing. Nothing. We look forward to it, wouldn't we? Let's pray together.
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your dark sayings you revealed to us, giving us an understanding and a knowledge of our kinsman redeemer, our Lord and our God, our great King. Thank you for this, Lord. Give us comfort in that. and Don't let us be fearful looking to our bones and our flesh, but keep us looking to him. Thank you for this salvation. Forgive us for what we are, Lord. Be with our brethren that aren't with us and those that are in fear and are struggling and reveal Christ to them. It's because of him we ask these things. Amen. All right, we'll take about 10 minutes to meet back.